Hello and welcome to this episode of the Oasis Church podcast, featuring a talk from Bringing Life, our series exploring the story of Joseph in the Old Testament. Together, we see how Joseph is someone who brings life to those around him, even in some tough situations. How his story points forward to Jesus, the ultimate life bringer, and how the invitation for each of us is to be those who bring life in whatever circumstances we find ourselves. Ready? Here we go. Genesis 41, 14 to 40. Pharaoh sent for Joseph at once, and he was quickly brought from the prison. After he shaved and changed his clothes, he went in and stood before Pharaoh. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream last night and no one here can tell me what it means. But I have heard that when you hear about a dream, you can interpret it. It is beyond my power to do this, Joseph replied, but God can tell you what it means and set you at ease. So Pharaoh told Joseph his dream. In my dream, he said, I was standing on the bank of the Nile River and I saw seven fat, healthy cows come up out of the river and begin grazing in the marsh grass. But then I saw seven sick looking cows, scrawny and thin, come up after them. I've never seen such sorry looking animals in all the land of Egypt. These thin, scrawny cows ate the seven fat cows. But afterward, you wouldn't have known it, for they were still as thin and scrawny as before. Then I woke up. In my dream, I also saw seven heads of grain, full and beautiful, growing on a single stalk. Then seven more heads of grain appeared, but these were blighted, shriveled and withered by the east wind. And the shriveled heads swallowed the seven healthy heads. I told these dreams to the magicians, but no one could tell me what they mean. Joseph responded, both of Pharaoh's dreams mean the same thing. God is telling Pharaoh in advance what he is about to do. The seven healthy cows and the seven healthy heads of grain both represent seven years of prosperity. The seven thin scrawny cows that came up later and the seven thin heads of grain withered by the east wind represent seven years of famine. This will happen just as I've described it. For God has revealed to Pharaoh in advance what he is about to do. The next seven years will be a period of great prosperity throughout the land of Egypt. But afterward, there will be seven years of famine so great that all the prosperity will be forgotten in Egypt. Famine will destroy the land. This famine will be so severe 
that even the memory of the good years will be erased. As for having two similar dreams, it means that these events have been decreed by God and he will soon make them happen. Therefore, Pharaoh should find an intelligent and wise man and put him in charge of the entire land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh should appoint supervisors over the land and let them collect one-fifth of all the crops during the seven good years. Have them gather all the food produced in the, in the good years that are just ahead and bring it to Pharaoh's storehouses. Store it away and guard it so there will be food in the cities. That way there will be enough to eat when the seven years of famine come to the land of Egypt. Otherwise, this famine will destroy the land. Joseph's suggestions were well received by Pharaoh and his officials. So Pharaoh asked his officials, can we find anyone else like this man so obviously filled with the Spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has revealed the meaning of the dreams to you, clearly no one else is as intelligent or wise as you are. You will be in charge of my court and all my people will take orders from you. Only I, sitting on my throne, will have a rank higher than yours. Hi friends, it is so good to be with you once again and thank you for turning up, uh, whether in this moment now live or on demand when you watch it in that next moment. I Thank you, thank you for making time for this. I think it's so important that we keep staying connected, keep allowing this amazing story of Joseph uh, to speak into the realities of our lives, uh, that God's longing to use this story to bring life to us as individuals, but also bring life through us as individuals. And uh, my hope is that we're going to see that again today. And I want to say, firstly, like, thank you, Davina, for reading the, the passage today so excellently. Uh, the second thing I want to do before we get into the story, uh, and there will be a third, uh, the second thing is just to say, um, tomorrow we're going to get to hear some news. Uh, we're going to hear from our Prime Minister. There's going to be loads of news feeds tomorrow, continuously speculating of what it might be. Can I encourage us, let's not allow those feeds uh, to kind of shape our day tomorrow. Rather, let's wait to hear what's shared. And as we hear it, can I encourage us to keep living how we've been living over the past kind of 10, 11 months? And that is living with that deep sense of knowing God's grace for this moment and God's patience in this moment. And my encouragement is that we kind of tomorrow just give ourselves to just saying, God, would you give me the grace for today and the patience for today? Uh, and whatever then shared, I promise you, God will have equipped us to hear it. Uh, with it bringing us hope rather than any sense of despair. So that's my second thing. My third thing I wanted to just say is an amazing well done uh, to Alice uh, last Sunday. I don't know if you got to hear Alice's uh, preach, but I thought it was excellent. And I just encourage you, if you didn't get to hear it, please do go back and listen to it, because I think it will do you the world of good. But 
as I said, I wanted to do three things and then get into the story. So let's look then at this amazing story of Joseph. You see, we find the story picks up where uh, Alice left us last week, that Joseph, in that moment of being forgotten, uh, living with disappointment and continuing to live in a prison. And he's been there now for two years. It's two years since he'd said to the cupbearer, remember me when you're freed, and the cupbearer forgot him. So two years on, and we find that Joseph is finally remembered and is rushed before Pharaoh in order that he can interpret Pharaoh's, Pharaoh's troubling dream that no one else could interpret. And we find as Joseph is remembered, he isn't filled with bitterness. He doesn't come in saying, well, you've taken your time to remember me. No, no, he's immediately ready to be used, which I think says a lot about what God had been doing underneath the surface, which we're going to get to look at a bit later. But in this moment, as he's brought before Pharaoh, and Pharaoh kind of is pinning all of his hopes on Joseph, Joseph is quick to say, like, like don't pin your hopes on me, I'm just a human. No, it's God who's going to reveal what this dream is all about, because it's God who's given you this dream to prepare you for something. And then Joseph then, having said this is all going to be a revelation from God, it's nothing to me, uh, nothing about me, like then gets to interpret the dream, like given wisdom by God to say, oh, this is what the dream's about. So actually it's going to be about seven years of pro prosperity, of plenty, that's then going to be years followed by seven years of famine. And then having kind of interpreted the dream, which to be honest, everyone listening in must have been thinking, oh man, like he then offers this God-given solution. And says, therefore, you need to make the most of this moment. These next seven years matter. Therefore, store up and get ready for what's about to happen. And we find that Joseph, having started this part of the story in prison, is elevated by the end to the palace, positioned to take responsibility over the whole of the land. But in respect to this story, I want us to kind of zoom in Zooming in one verse, because I believe that in that verse, it reveals something about how Joseph lived, how his life was shaped. And I believe in us looking at how Joseph's life was shaped and how it was revealed to other people. It's going to cause us to find encouragement as followers of Jesus of how our lives are to be shaped, how our lives are to look to others. And therefore, I want to zoom in on verse 38 of Genesis 41. Which reads and says this, so Pharaoh asked his officials, can we find anyone else like this man so obviously filled with the spirit of God? So obviously filled with the spirit of God. Like Pharaoh encountering Joseph, like recognizes and sees something different about who he is compared to everyone else. And that difference is what Joseph had already pointed to, that he's just ordinary. He's a nobody. It's actually all about God. And so when he looks and sees Joseph, he says, look, this is a guy just filled with the spirit of God. That's the invitation I want us to see that is there for each of us, that as followers of Jesus, we're to be those that live lives filled by the Spirit of God. You see, this whole call to be those that are bringing life, 
isn't to be a weight on our shoulders, but there's lightness to be known because God wants to provide us everything we need in order to bring life. You see, bringing life is always by the Spirit. That's what I want to look at today, that bringing life is by the Spirit. Like, Joseph understood that. Like, Joseph understood that everything that had gone on in his life, in the private place, was shaped and cultivated by God's Spirit at work in him. So much so that when he gets to the ultimate public place, as he stood before the ruler of that known world, Pharaoh, and like points and said, like, no, I'm not the answer here. It is God who's the answer. Like everything that was built in him privately like, is just revealed publicly. That he's one who's filled by the Spirit of God and continuously points to God as the one that he is dependent upon. And just as that's true for Joseph, it, it's meant to be true for us as followers of Jesus that we don't have to try and muscle up the energy to live in the good of the life that Jesus has afforded us. We're not, we don't have to kind of put ourselves uh, to the grind, say, how, how can I get everything I need in order that I can bring life to those around me? No, Jesus said, no, like how we live this way is by the Spirit. Like in John 14, 16, 17, Jesus says, look, I'm going to ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you, the Holy Spirit. Like, how good is that? That Jesus, as he's preparing his followers for what's about to happen through his death and resurrection, he says, look, I'm never going to leave you. Actually, I'm sending one who is God, the Holy Spirit, to come and dwell within you. In order that you'd know you're never alone, in order that you'd know that he's come to bring you life. He's come to cause you to bring life. I want to be those that live lives filled with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because it's what Jesus promised. It's what Jesus longs for you and for me. The Holy Spirit is longing to come and bring life into us. It's longing to come and bring life through us. What does that look like then? Why? Well, I'd say in terms of bringing life to us, I say that Holy Spirit is longing to do that. He's longing to bring life in us. And I'd say that there's two particular ways I think the Holy Spirit is longing to do that. He's longing to breathe this life that Jesus has afforded us into us. And the first is in terms of our identity and value. See, in Romans 8, Verse 15, it says this, So you have not received the spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you've received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father. The spirit is longing to cause you and I to taste and to know and to experience that deep reality that our identity, because of what Jesus has done, is now that we're children of God. We don't approach one who's to be feared, wondering, are we on his good side? No, no, we approach one who is our father, who loves us unconditionally, who values us, who delights in us. The spirit is longing to bring that reality, that experience of that, to birth within us. But not only is it about our identity and value, it's also that the Spirit 
is longing to come and bring life in us through the fruit that he can characterize in us. So in Galatians 5, to 23, it says this, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Like, this isn't like a wish list. This isn't like a one day. No, no, this is what the Holy Spirit is longing to do in your life. It's longing to do in my life. The Holy Spirit is longing to cause us to be characterized, to know inwardly these deep fruits that satisfy of love, of joy, of peace, of patience, of kindness, of goodness, of faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Spirit is longing to bring a life that is characterized like that into us. He's longing for us to know that deep sense of love and peace and joy in the very depth of our being. Like where, where you're sat in this moment, or maybe you've quickly nipped out thinking I wouldn't notice that you've gone to make a cup of tea. Like, like where you are now, the Spirit is longing to meet with you. The Spirit is longing to come and cause you to taste again, or maybe for the first time, to taste the reality of the peace that he can bring, transcends all understanding, of the joy that he wants to bubble up amidst any circumstances, of that self-control that allows us to say, no, no, I'm not going to go that way. I'm not going to allow fear to take root and to take me down that that cul-de-sac of desperation and despair. I'm going to allow your gentleness, Holy Spirit, to come and dwell within me. I'm going to allow your goodness to overtake me. I'm going to allow your faithfulness to be so true to me. See, the invitation is to have lives that are cultivated, that are shaped by the Spirit, that produces these fruits, that produces identity and value. But the reality is it doesn't just happen. See, I like drinking coffee. Like everyone who knows me knows that fact. And the reality is, I can see pictures of coffee. And I can think, oh, that looks like a nice cup of coffee. But it doesn't actually do anything for me. No, I have to pause, gather the materials together. Yes, I have many different materials to make my coffee. And gather them together in order that I can stop what I'm doing to make the coffee and then drink it. And it does be good. Like, how much more the Holy Spirit? How much more do we need to pause from the rest of what's going on in our existence and say, Holy Spirit, I come, and would you cause me to taste and to see afresh in this moment of the richness of the identity and value that you cause me to experience, these fruits that you want to characterize in my life? Would you come and would you reveal them more? I'll let you into a bit of a secret. In this moment, During this pandemic, more than ever before, I have to keep going and just taking myself away from others and saying, Holy Spirit, I really need you. Holy Spirit, I really need you to come and characterize my life with the fruit that you offer. Holy Spirit, I need you to come and breathe your life into me. See, not only is it then 
that the Holy Spirit is longing to come and bring life in us. I'd also say that the Holy Spirit is longing to bring life through us. I think that's the wonder of what happens uh, for Joseph, that he realizes, like, this isn't down to me. There's, like, a lightness in it. It's like he's before Pharaoh, and he's like, well, it's not down to me. Don't put your hope in me. It's what God is going to reveal, that his spirit is with me, and I believe he'll interpret this just as he's done in my past, just I've known God give me what I need in those moments of wisdom, of discernment. It like brought this lightness to him, that this opportunity was one that the Spirit was going to cause him to be able to bring life. It wasn't down to Joseph. He's like, either God is going to do it or he's not. I think he will though, and he does. I think it's that that we get to live with this deep sense of joy and lightness that we get to bring life into the different scenarios around us, not through us kind of thinking, what do I, what can I do? How am I going to make this happen? But rather this lightness of saying, I get to partner with you, Holy Spirit, that you're longing to break in and through my life to others in order that the life that I know that Jesus has afforded me, they get to taste. Like how good is that? What an adventure we are being invited to, an adventure to daily kind of say, Holy Spirit, what do you want to do through me today? See, just as for Joseph, I believe that God wants to give you and I opportunities. Now, the reality is like the opportunity we see here in this part of the story for Joseph is like, it's like a big opportunity. I, uh, one of the guys I, I really love listening to is a guy called Alan Scott, who's a, a vineyard pastor. And he talks about opportunities in terms of big moments and best moments. The big moments are amazing. They're those ones where you think, whoa, isn't God big? And like, this is one of those moments. Joseph stood before Pharaoh, interprets a dream that no one else can interpret, and then gives wisdom of how they're going to navigate the next 14 years. And as we're going to go on to see in the story, it works. Like, that's a big moment. And the reality is, we're probably not going to have that sort of moment like Joseph. Maybe some of us are. Maybe we're going to have big moments, but they're going to be very occasional. And therefore, I don't want to zoom in on that. Actually, I do want to just say one thing, and that is, I wonder if collectively as the church God is going to do something in this moment of this pandemic to bring a big opportunity for us and that's something that I am praying for I think it's about individuals I think it's going to be about the church as a whole but anyway as I said I want to look at the big opportunity I want to look rather at the best opportunity see the best opportunities happen like every, every day in small moments. You see, Joseph could stand in the big moment knowing that the Spirit was going to give him all that he needed because he'd known the Spirit give him what he needed in all the small moments, the best moments. When he'd been in Potiphar's house, when he'd been in the prison, he'd just known the Spirit give him the wisdom, the discernment, the interpretations, the, the, the life-bringing moments in those situations. And the same is true for us that God is longing to come by his Holy Spirit to bring life through you and through me in the best moments, in the small moments, in our everyday moments. It suddenly makes this moment in a pandemic where it can feel so claustrophobic an adventure. 
I'm not dismissing the pain and the suffering. Please don't hear that. That is not what I'm saying. But rather, I believe, actually, it becomes a moment that even in the darkness of what we're living with, the Holy Spirit is wanting to say, hey, how are we going to partner together to bring life in this? Like, for me, what it looks like is, each day saying, like, God, like, what do you want to do through me? And sometimes I get it right, sometimes I get it wrong. In the, in the right moments, let's talk about those. Uh, like, it's the moments where I, I feel like God put on me, like, a, a name of someone who I'm to text. And I'm like, oh, okay, Holy Spirit, what, what should we say to them? And I find myself texting someone saying, I just was thinking of you. Now, if they're a believer, I might say, I was just praying for you. But generally, if they're not a believer, it freaks them out if I say that bit. So I say, I was just thinking about you, and I just wondered how you were, and I thought that you should know this. And then generally, people text back pretty quickly saying, that's amazing. Thank you so much. I found it not only through texting. I think there's a moment with uh, my wife Lucy and her uh, rest of her colleagues in her department where we realized pretty early on in January, she's a teacher, their teachers, that life was pretty tough. And so we said, like, what could we do to bring life to them? And it's like this adventure of the Holy Spirit. I say, I think this is a moment that we could bring life to these individuals. And so we got gifts posted to each of their homes. Each of them, as they received that gift, shared what life it brought to them. But this isn't like me telling you a couple of stories in order that you can high five me and go, go, Adrian. No, no, it's me saying it's that simple. That's why it's the best. It's stories that can make up our every day where we get the adventure of saying, Holy Spirit, how do you want to bring life through me today? See, bringing life is by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is longing in this moment to bring life in us and to bring life through us. And I want to pray for us that we would receive afresh of the Holy Spirit, be filled by the Holy Spirit, where we are, where we're sat, stood, in our studies, our bedrooms, our, 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 our lounges, that we're going to know God coming to meet with us by His Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I pray for some of my friends who I know you're, you're there with them. And where they're just knowing that it took everything just to get up and put the laptop on or the TV on today. And you want to meet them in this moment and remind them that you are with them. That you're going to carry them through, Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit, I pray for each and every individual. I pray that we would be those that as we receive of you, as we breathe life into us, Holy Spirit, would you cause us to exhale, to breathe that life out to those we come into contact with. God, I pray would you begin to bring people to mind that we're going to bring life to over this coming day, over these coming days. I, I pray would you bring neighbours to mind, colleagues to mind. I pray, God, would you cause us to be sensitive to you, to you as we go for walks and, and see people who we, who we just don't recognize, but we know that you want to cause them to know they're not forgotten, they're known. 
I pray, Holy Spirit, would you cause us to taste the adventure that you have for us. Holy Spirit, our prayer is this. Would you come and move in our lives more? Would we be known as people who others look in and say, surely they're filled with the Spirit of God?